and welcome to another DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me is Jane Litt from Dear Author. Today we are answering a letter from Sue, who wanted to know how we grade a book when the ending just is terrible. And we also talk about what books we're reading, including some books you saw reviewed on our sites this past week. We get a little bit more detailed about what made us happy or not so happy. This podcast is brought to you by Intermix, publisher of Joe Davis's Risky, second in the new can't-miss choose-your-own-hero romance series available for download on November 19th. The music that you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I'll have more information at the end of the podcast as to who this is and where you can get it. And now, on with the podcast. So we have a letter from Sue Chang. So Sue writes, Dear Sarah and Jane, first, I wanted to tell you that I love the podcast. I listen to it while taking my evening constitutionals and they make me laugh out loud while I'm walking along and probably nothing scares off a would-be attacker more than a girl cackling to herself. So thanks. Oh, you're so welcome. I want to insert something here. Yeah, go ahead. We actually don't get hate mail about our podcast. No, it's really nice. <laughs> so it's not like we're cherry picking no. <laughs> the emails to read. No, the, the podcast is one thing we don't get hate mail about. So thank you very much. <laughs> now we're going to get we some. Do get one, we promise to read it. Yes, and I will read it. And I have voice effects in the post editing process. Like I can make Jane sound like she ate helium. So if you, we get hate mail, I will totally voice change them into fun and entertaining things. So back to, to back to Sue's letter. I recently read Pamela Morsey's Love Overdue and found myself incredibly disappointed by the last two chapters of the book. I don't know if you've read this book, but it's about a quiet librarian who had a one-time only wild spring break eight years prior to when the book starts. She's moved to a small town, and of course, her boss's son and the town pharmacist happens to be the one she hooked up with all those years ago. He doesn't explicitly recognize her in this librarian incarnation at first, so she goes between being relieved he doesn't recognize her to indignant that he can't tell, and it's enormously entertaining to watch her freak out and him puzzle it out. The first four-fifths of the book are spent in this great buildup, and I was expecting serious, ridiculous fireworks when he finally realized her identity and they had their big reckoning, capital B, capital are. Instead, and I hope this really isn't a spoiler, he realizes who she really is and then the scene just immediately cuts to black and the next chapter is the epilogue and they are already well into their happily ever after. I just feel, felt so cheated and betrayed by this fade to black. Part of the reason I read romance novels is because I want fireworks and drama. The setup to this book was great and really well executed from the sim simmering romantic tension to the balance between small town warmth versus claustrophobia to the truly thoughtful treatment of the secondary characters. I couldn't help feeling like the social compact of a romance novel had been broken by not getting to see the payoff after such a long buildup. I was wondering, how do you review and grade books like this? Until the last two chapters, I was ready to recommend this book to all my friends and give it an A. How many points do you deduct when the ending doesn't really live up to the beginning? And how do you get satisfaction from an unsatisfactory ending? Do you write fan fiction to get closure? Rant about it to your friends? Write an email to the DBSA podcast? I find myself at loose ends and feeling deprived of the emotional payoff that I was expecting. Thanks for addressing my questions and letting me rant about such unfulfilled promise and the broken social compact. I look forward to every podcast. Yeah, girl, I know your pain. How do you grade a book when the ending doesn't fit the beginning? I give it a C. Honestly, like she, yes. Like if she was going to give it an A and the ending sucked, then C. Because there's nothing worse I'm, than 
enjoying a book and then having a terrible ending. It's like, cause that's how you close the book. That's how you remember it. I feel like you can have a slow beginning. And if your ending just knocks it out of the park, the readers come go goes away with the feeling of, wow, this was a great book. She doesn't remember the slow beginning. That's right. That's right. But she's always going to remember the suck ass ending. It's true. For me, I just read uh, last weekend or two weekends ago the new Julia Quinn, The Sum of All Kisses. And for me, this 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 situation fits that book. The beginning, I'd say even the first, maybe even the four-fifths, like Sue said, was a really slow build. And in my review, I call them the emo tingles when you read a really emotional scene and you get all these tingles on your chest and down your arms, or maybe that's just me and I'm weird. But it was wonderful. There were scenes where I was like, oh God, and I had to read it again. And then I bookmarked it so I could go back. I mean, there were parts of that book that were exactly what I was looking for and exactly what I've come to expect from reading Julia Quinn. And then the ending is this weird, madcap, dangerous, scary, running around in the rain adventure with danger. And on one hand, the heroine does some awesome things. And on the other hand, I'm like, where did the rest of the book go? It's a complete tonal shift. It is very different. And the ending is so unsatisfying given the obstacles to the hero and heroine's relationship from the beginning and through the middle of the book. And there is a moment about three quarters through where I actually commented in my copy of the of the book, okay, so what's the next conflict? Because they had resolved everything. Like the hero and heroine had resolved their their inability to talk to each other. They had sort of realized things about themselves. Like they had come to the end of the internal conflict in such a gentle and I thought very satisfying way. But I looked and there was still like another three or four chapters and I, I wrote down, okay, so what's the next conflict? And then it shows up and it was what I expected. But it was it's like when you're when you're when you're driving down a road and all of a sudden it takes a very sudden right turn and you're not expecting it that's what this book did it completely turned in a way that I was not expecting and became something that in the end left me so bummed because the beginning was so good I I do the same thing that Jane does when I read a book that starts off and is just so awesome and then at the very end goes wait what I actually grade the two things separately and average them together. So if the first part of the book would have been an A and the ending would have been a D or an F, I average it out to about a C and and say in the review, look, the ending sucks. Be, be ready. There's a – I think there's a Jude Devereaux um, book that was on sale recently and every review said, just don't skip, skip the epilogue. Don't read it. It will ruin the whole book for you. And so sure enough, somebody bought the book and read the epilogue. It was like, oh, my God, you're right. Why didn't I listen to you? It ruins the whole book. The last impression that you give the reader is the lasting one. And if the ending sucks, it can just destroy all of the good feeling you built up about that book. And it just it just sucks when that happens. But it does. There was a Jane Porter novel I reviewed a long time ago where it was very well, – Jane Porter writes women's fiction. So I went in with that expectation. And – the course of the story dealt with such amazing issues. The ending didn't fit any of them. Like the, the character had said that she didn't want to have more children and then she decides she's going to have more children. The character says she doesn't want to do a particular thing and then that's the only thing she wants to do with no buildup and no, no explanation as to why she changes her mind. When the ending doesn't fit the character, and to quote Jane, when the argument has not successfully been made that this is the real ending... That's when readers get really upset and disappointed and angry. 
it is really hard to write a good ending, but I totally understand what Sue is saying in terms of not being able to handle the lack of satisfaction that a wonderful book with a bad ending gives you. It's it's the worst, especially because in books like this, the journey to the ending is all about building anticipation. Like there's a structural build of tension that you're almost expecting. And when it doesn't happen, it's like reader blue balls. Which is, which is probably not a fair terminology because most of us are women, but it's totally reader blue balls. So what are you reading, ma'am? Well, currently I am reading the book that Angie James is book bullying us about. Oh, um, what's it called? It's by Stacey Gale called Gifts of Honor, but I don't think that's the name of her book, I think. No, that's the anthology name. Right, Starting from Scratch. That's right. By Stacey Gale. And I am um, have not finished it yet, but it's very lovely so far. So, and plus, I want Angie to talk to me when I see her at RT. So I have to finish it. <laughs> I'm afraid of her. Yeah, uh, yeah. she wears very high heels. The two of you could do damage to each other. World After uh, by Susan E. E. I'm reading that. I actually left that book to read the Stacey Gale book because Angie was book bullying us so badly. World After is the second book. It's a follow-up to Angel Fall, which was Susan E.E.'s self-published book, um, a YA post-apocalyptic book, which was really excellent. And then it took like forever and two days to come out with the sequel. And I feel like I should go back and read Angel Fall because I'm not like being gripped um, in it, so but maybe it's just my mood. I read Unrestrained by Joey Hill. I think that book comes out next month, and it is uh, about a widow in her mid forties and um, a former SEAL who is a BDSM guy and uh, who had lost his leg. She was the dom in her marriage uh, because that was what her husband enjoyed. But she's really a submissive. And as a submissive, your desire is to please just your partner. And so she loved her husband so much that she was a dom for him. Because that's, it's kind of a, re- like she went all the way around the circle. Dude. Oh. Which was kind of an interesting thing. And um, he rec- she goes to this club and after her, f- her husband dies and she observed, this is a club that they used to go to together. And she observes, um this uh, gentleman in his, you know, doing a scene with another submissive, and she's really intrigued by how it makes her feel because she'd always been a dom, so she doesn't real really recognize that she was a submissive. And so there are two kind of emotional, uh, there's three sort of emotional uh, interests going on in this book. One, there is the one where she discovers her submissiveness. And there's the second one where they struggle with kind of her desire to anticipate every need um, in her desire to please and how that that kind of is a topping from the bottom. He has some issues that he didn't realize he had with the loss of his leg. Um, And I thought that the uh, amputation was done and the emotion around that was handled very tastefully. And I really appreciate that we're having this uh, more books about these soldiers that have lost their limbs and so, so forth. However, 
it occurred to me that we see a lot of those types of stories, but we don't see the reverse, women with prosthetics. And I wonder if readers would have a hard time finding the woman sexy um, with a prosthetic, even though it's okay, even though they can find the man sexy with a prosthetic. That's a really good question. I haven't seen any female or uh, heroines with amputations either now that I'm thinking there about it. There was one, and I want to say it was written by Sarah Mayberry, but it could have but it could have been somebody else, but I think it was a Harlequin super romance. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. And she's missing her arm, lower arm. I actually read a decent football book after the horrible football book that I read before. Did we talk about the horrible football book I read before? I couldn't remember. No, we did not discuss a terrible football book. Okay, so I read this book called um, Sweet Home by Tilly Cole. I didn't talk about that before. I don't think so, but if you didn't, or if you did, you can talk about it again because it's not ringing a bell with me. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, podcast listeners, if I've ranted about this book before, <clears throat> but uh, Tilly Cole's Sweet Home is a book, a self-published book that was burning up the charts, was really high on the Kindle list, and uh, so I bought it because it was about a young football player, and I love um, football, and it was a terrible football book. <laughs> <laughs> So the heroine, um, there are a lot of typos in this book, like in the very first, if you go look at the sample, like in the first couple of pages, the woman uses the word dual, D-U-E-L instead of D-U-A-L. Oh, God. So there's actually a lot of homophones. I shouldn't say typos, but homophones. And later in the book, she uses the word scolding a lot. And I think she meant scalding. But as I said in my review, maybe in Britain, it's spelled differently. Like one time she has the scalding center as she refers to her uh, hoo-ha and or scolding center and I'm like you know what is your scolding center is it when your pussy is angry at someone and it like <laughs> you know I use the word vagina dentata in my review <laughs> but nonetheless I mean those homophones are hard and it's hard to catch all those but the the hero Romeo Prince is the hold the phone hold the phone I Romeo I Prince look you okay I'm going with you I'm just going with it Okay. I here's the deal. The 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 heroine's name is Molly Juliet Shakespeare. Oh God. I know. I know. So I all I thought was I'm just gonna look past that. Yeah. Just okay. I'll I'll yeah. Okay. Okay. Shutting up now. <laughs> but I can see how people would not. So um, <laughs> he is the quarterback of uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh, which, of course he is. Which uh, for non-football player or football watchers is the number one uh, football team in the nation. Um, the 60 Minutes just did a profile on the coach, Nick Saban. It's in, in the South particularly, college football, even more than pro, oh, yes. is, is real, a religion. Yes. And um, when the students go to the games, they dress up like they're going to church. Girls wear dresses and, you know, nice pants and guys will wear suit coats and it's crazy. So, <clears throat> Romeo Prince's parents hate him. And later on you learn why they hate him. It's kind of, I mean, it's an over-the-top reason, but whatever. But they not only hate him but they feel they tell him that his pursuit of, in football is worthless. What? 
I know. Wait, what? And they're a big Alabama business family. There's just no way. Even if you hated him, you would glory and revel in the adulation that would be sent your way that your son is the quarterback of a national championship team in an Alabama roll tide. I mean, that would bring them, you can't, you can't pay for that kind of publicity about your business because every time they mention him, they're going to mention the family and what they do and people are going to, oh yeah, that's just bonkers. But okay. Okay. I'm staying with you, Romeo and Juliet football. Okay. Yeah. So the author is British, and for some reason she chose to write about American football when in her, bio, in her like the end notes of the book, she s- said that her husband was a rugby player and she had followed him around. And I'm like, well, then write about rugby because <laughs> you don't know anything about football. I mean, she would talk about um, Romeo Prince having to uh, uh, accomplish the next phase of the game. And what? I'm like... Just call it downs. There are four downs. I mean, if she had just watched like one episode of ESPN, I think she would have been okay. Just watch Varsity Blues. Or, I don't know, Any Given Sunday. I um, want your laugh. She refers to the uh, football field as the pitch, which is apparently like a... That's uh, that, the, that football pitch is not... Yeah, that's like Australian and English and rugby, and then it's the pitch. But, okay, so I'm like... I'm going to overlook some of these details because your your character is British, and so she's an so it's so you know, Juliet is British, right? And she's a 20 year old graduate student. Wait, what? Who, yeah, in okay. she's in philosophy, and she's in um, going to Alabama uh, as a graduate student and a TA to assist in the. Um, publication of an article in a, what did she call it, um, an academic periodical. What? Yeah, 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 I know. She obviously never went to grad school. <laughs> oh, boy. The word should be journal if you're wondering, you guys. Yeah. But I don't know that anyone would bring in a student from the UK just to help with one article unless it's like an article that's going to become a book. And yeah, I don't, okay. All right, I'm still with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm easy to please. Keep going. Anyway. <laughs> this is what I call the, the prairie dog of wait a minute. Because then all of a sudden this little prairie dog in my brain goes, wait a minute. That's not right. I don't think that's how it goes. And then then it happens over and over again. The prairie dog just sits on my shoulder and goes, nah, uh nah, no, 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 nah, uh That's not right. So, yes, I, I hello to your prairie dog. Um, one of the girls is trying out for the cheerleading squad of course in she her is. senior year to the Alabama of course she football is. team. <laughs> I'm it's, pretty sure that's a scholarship level uh, cheerleading team or cheerleading squad there too. I No doubt. Um, and then uh, they, ru- they, I don't even want to use the word rush because that's not actually used in the book, but they're <laughs> pinned and invited to be in a sorority. Huh? The, a sorority so exclusive that Romeo Prince's cousin is in the house. And the way that they get into the sorority is that they have to, they're blindfolded and then they have to be, they have to kiss a fraternity brother uh, blindfolded and guess what he just ate. Oh, gross. Oh, no. 
No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> My prairie dog has his hand over his mouth going, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> All right. So, um, so in, the middle of the, in the middle of the game. Wait, they have to kiss people in the middle of the game and guess what they ate? No, no. Oh, no. I was going to say. No, now we're, we're done. <laughs> moving on from the sorority house. Okay, so yes. Oh, and by the way, these three new uh, pledge. Okay, I don't even want to use pledges because they don't use that recruits. word either. These new <laughs> girls, these Interns. three new girls, one who is a senior, one who is a grad student. Okay. I don't are, know that um, many grad students invited to rush. live in the house because oh. they just have some empty rooms. Oh, sure. Yeah, totally. Kappa Sigma Listerine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then the character, uh, so the heroine and her three and her two friends go to the, go to a game and Romeo Prince throws the ball and it sails into the student section and hits her and knocks her glasses off. Okay. For those who don't watch football, <laughs> that is like a near impossibility. Like I have never in the many years that I have watched football ever seen a football player throw the ball into the stands from somewhere in the field. It, in order and, to do that, he'd have to be throwing it completely sideways like he was going for a lateral pass and then decided to hail Mary it into the parking lot. Like there's no reason <laughs> why he would do that. Right. Um also, for non-football fans, there's a huge space. Like, I don't know, um, 20, 30 yards between the, the sideline and the, the stands. Right, because football teams are huge and have an entourage of many, many, many people who sit on the sidelines. And if you're in the UK or in the, in the places like the rest of the world that doesn't use our measurement system, a yard is, a, is three feet. And it's about roughly a, like a meter and a little meter and a little bit more. So we were talking meters away from the sidelines to the stands. There's a lot of people that have to fit in that space. Okay. So I've taken off my glasses because I've been hit in the face with a football. Go right. on. So then Romeo Prince runs off the field and into the stands to cradle her in his arms. What? Yeah. Isn't that a penalty? Well, like if you leave the field to go cradle people, isn't there like a 15-yard cradling penalty? <laughs> Needless to say, I read the, this is all happens like in the first third of the book. It was kind of sad. So oh boy. <clears throat> if you don't know anything about football and don't care about homophones and don't mind over-the-top soapiness in, in the characterizations then this might be a book for you. So okay. then, <laughs> so afterwards, I read because a lot of people like it. I mean, there's tons of positive reviews. I'm like the. I feel like I'm the only one who cares. Isn't that the most alienating feeling when you read this book and you're like, "What's wrong with me that this is not rocking my world?" I know. So then I read um, "Play" by Holly Roberts, and uh, it's actually. If you can get past the insta-love. Sarah, you need to make up a word for something quicker than insta-love. Oh, um, like Hadrian Collider love? Yeah, well, we'll yes. just call it that. Hadrian okay. Collider love. So this is a Hadrian <laughs> Collider love book. If you can look past the Hadrian Collider love that occurs, yes. the football is spot on. 
The heroine is a runner for, uh, she's cross country at her local university. She goes to a party and apparently it's a party, a preseason party um, with a bunch of football players. And she sees, so there's some early slut shaming. I did not like that. And the, the hero is a quarterback. He watches her. He takes her home. He's really intrigued by her. But then he, she doesn't hear from him for a month. And then he calls her up, and they start a romance where he invites her to games, and they run together. And it's kind of funny because she's a long-distance runner, and he's not. So she usually runs like um, a half marathon, 12 miles a day, and he can only make it for like five miles. So then he has to rest while she finishes out. I thought that was pretty humorous. But he's kind of a mean guy on uh, game days, and then when he loses uh, a game, he's really mean, and she leaves him. And I thought, good right plan, on. good plan. And uh, so then he has to win her back, and I thought overall it was a pretty decent book. And, and I mean, maybe if I hadn't read it right after I'd read Sweet Home, I would have given it a poor grade, but I thought it was um, pretty decent. So if you like football and you don't mind Hadrian Collider love and you can overlook <laughs> a little bit of slut shaming in the beginning, I think you might enjoy Play by Holly Roberts. <laughs> That's a lot of qualifications, isn't it? <laughs> that is a lot. You know, a little Hadrian Collider love never hurt anybody. Well, I would rather have Hadrian Collider love than Romeo Prince. Romeo um, Prince. Into the stands. <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. Romeo Prince. He likes to be called Rome. Of course he does. I would prefer to call him Eo. Eo? Eo. So anything else you want to talk about what you're reading? I think that's about it. All right. I am currently reading the Shannon Stacy book, Love a Little Sideways. Did you finish it? Oh, I did finish that. Did you like it? I did like it. I like her voice. I think she's such a strong, I mean, she's really progressed. I remember starting to read her in like 2006. Yes. And she's such an amazing growth in terms of her writing skill. I had a hard time with the conflict. Thank you. I was And I the think, ending. Yes. Okay. I haven't gotten to the ending yet, but I have been walking around going, does it really matter to guys if his best friend dates his sister? Like, is that really a, a, like, is that really an all bets are off, I'm going to kick your ass rule? Because, like, my husband has two sisters, and I don't think he cares at all if, if his friends would date his sister because they're adults and they make their own decisions. It's not like she's 15. They're, like, they're adults. I don't, I'm, I'm really struggling to accept that as a reason why these two people should not be together. They have plenty of other reasons, and I'm totally on board with all of the reasons, and they seem very logical and are part of the character in such a natural and organic way that I'm totally on board. The hero is the chief of police of Whitford and he is divorced because he had always wanted to have kids and he had been asking his first wife, okay, when, when are we going to have a family? And finally his first wife says, I've never wanted to have kids. I don't ever want to have children. And I lied to you. And so they get a divorce because he wants a family and she does not. And he's alone and Unhappy but ready to start over because he really does want to have a family. One of the things that I love about the Stacy series is that family is really important to the people in the book. Like they, they take care of each other in a way that seems wonderfully realistic and they listen to, the, they listen to each other in ways or refuse to listen to each other in ways that are really wonderful and the way in which 
ultimately they all take care of one another and they demonstrate that the family is important to them. I, I just, oh, I just love that. I think it's amazing. I like visiting that family when I read these books. And there's been parts of the series where I have been like, yeah, whatever, hero and heroine. Let's visit the rest of the Kowalskis because I like all them. The other thing that I'm struggling with, and you can tell me if this gets better, is that the heroine is Liz. And she is the sister of the um, family that lives in Maine. Or is it Maine? Yeah, Whitford, Maine. And they own a lodge and they um, they open the lodge to people who go snowmobiling and now ATVing. She has never been in the, in the books except for like a family wedding. She lived in New Mexico. She moved as far away from the family as possible. And in this book, she's moved home. Here's what I'm also stuck on. She has no, I guess I'd call it culture shock. The difference in the way of life between New Mexico and Maine is not something that she is ever thinking about. And those parts of the country are so different. You'd think that some of her time in her head would be spent comparing how different her life is now that she has moved her life back across the country, back to her hometown. She mentions sometimes that things are different and she mentions some things that she missed and things that she doesn't miss, but she never thinks about New Mexico. It's as if she didn't so much move away as disappeared for a while and now she's back. Like there's no mention of her life so far and I find that really surprising. Neither of those things bothered me. Yeah, I'm weird that way, I guess. (laughs) Oh, well. So what were the things that bothered you? But don't spoil it because I'm only about halfway through. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the whole, even if it's exaggerated or um, the whole brother-sister thing is kind of cute. And so that never bothers me. In fact, I look for books that have the older brother's friend falling for the little sister. I don't mind that at all. I just think that when the character is in their 30s, get over it. They're grown-ups. Come on. It stemmed from the fact that they were friends, right? And didn't want, um, you know, th- this is the oldest brother and the youngest sister, uh, and he's very protective of her. And she went through a very poor time uh, with, for a very long time, with a man that didn't treat her very well, right? And I think that he's worried uh, about losing both his sister and his best friend if it goes wrong. If it goes awry. And so, and then it, it's not just um, that he doesn't want to see them dating, but that they lied to him. So I thought and that the lie would became more important than, than the actual. Than the don't touch my sister thing. And again, oh. I'm like, these people are grownups. But okay. All right. The I will suspend. Shifts, okay. Uh, Goody. And. And it really, none of the conflicts bothered me. It's just when I was at the end, I I wasn't convinced. That was the problem I had with the last one too. That at the end of the book, I wasn't entirely convinced that these characters had worked out all their business. And that that both characters had participated both in the happy ending. I felt that way with Katie, who owns the barbershop, and the hero who goes running around the country because he wants to leave. But I am uh, I am totally into this book so far because you're right. Her skill in developing character and setting is just – it sounds so dry when you say it that way. But the, they, they seem like, for the most part, such real people. Yeah, they're, 
There's a whole Kowalski family living in Maine somewhere. Absolutely, and New Hampshire. And when I go drive to Vermont, I'm going to look for them when we go through New Hampshire for a bit. I'm totally going to look. Yeah, and we can stay at their lodge. Of course, I wouldn't go because that's not my thing. But... The next weekend, I'm going to Vegas with Angie, and she's doing this all-day presentation on Saturday. Um, so I am going to go out into the desert and go rock climbing and rock scrambling. And I was like, this is going to be so great. And she sent me this email like, okay, have fun. <laughs> like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go climb some rocks. Oh, I had no idea you were a rock climber. I am not, actually, and I'm quite afraid of heights and falling. But this is um, a scrambling trail where you have to use your arms and legs to sort of get yourself up to rocks and then, like, climb up onto the top. And it's guided. So it's not like I'm going to have ropes and chalk and be climbing up the outside of a rock. I can't do that. I would be scared. I'd be too scared. But this is like um, trail hiking, only you have to use your whole body to get up the mountain and get up the crevices and things like that. And I'm totally excited about it. And Angie's like, yeah, okay, have fun. Bye. (laughs) And that's all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you would like to tell us that we're wrong about something or you want to send us a hate mail or how much you like us mail. Either one is fine. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. That's S for Sarah, B for bitches, J for Jane, podcast at gmail.com. You can also call our Google voice number and leave us a message at one two zero one three seven one dbsa Please don't forget to leave your name and where you're calling from so we can include your message in an upcoming podcast. If either of these two options sound at all interesting, you should do them right now because it's really, really fun. The music that you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater, and you can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater, like it's spelled. This is called Dragons, and it is by a Parisian group called Caravan Palace. I will have links as to where you can buy this music on the entry that accompanies the podcast. Podcast sponsor Intermix would like you to know that you can pick a lover for heroine Anna in Joe Davis's new romance series, Torn Between Two Lovers. You've met Grayson. Download Risky now to meet Joaquin. In Risky, heroine Anna has just met the dangerous and irresistible casino mogul Joaquim. Can he overcome his past and the memories of her ex, Grayson? Find out in Risky, available for download on November 19th. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing, Jane and I wish you the very best of reading. 